Hi, you're listening to More Than a Noodle, a Thai diaspora podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Lee, and in this episode of More Than a Noodle, we'll be sitting down with Matt Mermack. So, I actually had no idea who Matt was until I released our very first episode of More Than a Noodle. When this episode was released, Matt messaged me on Instagram telling me about, yeah, how this podcast has impacted him and how excited he was. That was really cool for me being able to hear that after just one episode, this podcast was already having an impact. So I asked if he would like to be on the show. As we swapped DMs, it seemed like Matt had a pretty interesting experience. He's a little bit older than me being a Gen Xer and he identifies as Luke Krung being half Thai and half white American, and he also grew up uh, living on Air Force bases, which I thought was pretty fascinating as well. So yeah, in this episode, he'll be sharing a little bit about his experience living on those Air Force bases, as well as his experience growing up in the 1970s. And finally, we'll end off with him sharing with us why he believes civic engagement is so important for the Asian and Thai diaspora. Without further ado, here's the conversation we had. Cool. Well, welcome to the show, Matt. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, my name is Matt Mermack. I'm a Thai American. I'm my, my mom's Thai uh, from the province of Pechamoon. I'm 50 years old and uh, I live in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, just uh, about 35 miles south of Los Angeles. So, um, pretty much grew up. My dad was in the. My dad met my mom when he was uh, flying B-52s out of Utah Power Air Base in the Air Force, and so I got to trout. You know, so being a being an Air Force brat, I got to travel the world quite a bit, and uh, you know, ended up moving various places. And we, after Dad retired, we settled down in Southern California. You know, his last station was in Southern California in 1980, and then when he retired in 1984, uh, he took a job with Northrop Grumman, and uh, and we've been in California ever since. I went to, I ended up, you know, going, you know, uh, leaving Orange County back in 1988 to uh, go play college football at a, at a small college called Augsburg College in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but a small Division three school, you know, it's where I was like the only Thai American there, you know, I was like, we didn't, it, it, I mean, Minnesota is known for being white for its winners. This college was about as white as you could get, you know, and, and now it's not like that, you know, because it's because it's it's a lot more diverse than it used to be so gotcha gotcha yeah this was like in the late 80s so it's like oh my god (laughs) oh yeah yeah cool so before we jump into like getting to know a little bit more about your story there's just one question i want to ask that i ask all of our guests it's what's your favorite thai dish other than pad thai oh god that's a great question uh depends on my mood actually uh pot pepladuk uh the stir fried catfish and red curry that that that's always good if, you know but if i'm not in the mood of, with spitting out bones usually it's a hoi tot you know with the um, the uh, fried mussels with the o- the oyster omelet you know or muscle omelet yes put a little uh, chili sauce in that and some rice hey i'll be happy <laughs> oh wow yes you definitely need the chili sauce too though oh 
makes it yes. Oh, can't go without it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Cool. Um, so briefly in your introduction, and also when you like reached out to me on Instagram, you shared about how, yeah, uh, your dad was in the Air Force, and yeah. you, yeah, can you just tell us about that experience being an Air Force kid? Oh, yeah, uh, just pretty much, uh, group, yeah, I was pretty much born into it. My dad had met my mom when he was stationed out at Utapau Air Base during the Vietnam War. He flew, he was a co-pilot on a B-52 crew. My mom worked as a, uh, I believe the story was she worked as a cook for, I don't know if it was actually a roadside cook stand or if it was for some women that were running a massage parlor. I don't know the exact story. I hear various versions from mom and dad about that. But, you know, uh, yeah, they, they met one another um, and uh, brought her to, and uh, they got married in Thailand, uh, much to the chagrin of the United States, you know, the upper brass of the United States Air Force, because they had a policy at the time where you know, you weren't supposed to marry foreign nationals, but, you know, uh, thanks to uh, some some members of his B-52 crew, they, they stood up and said, hey, this guy, you know, this guy's not going to ditch, you know, this leave behind this woman. He's really wanting to marry her, you know, and bring her to the United States. And, and so, um, you know, so he didn't really get in trouble with, the, with you know, the upper echelon of upper command of the air force over that so and you know, he spent a full 20 years i mean my dad spent a full 20 years serving this country he retired as a major you know but he flew various aircraft you know from p-52s to c-130s um you know we pretty much uh, moved from base to base and what we've noticed and this is what i don't know if you've heard of the book the great santini but the, it was written by pat conroy it was about a marine corps family that moved that moved a lot and uh, you hear story, and I'm part of groups that are like Air Force, you know, Air Force dependents and military dependents, you know, and they talk about their stories. And the stories that don't get talked about are the stories where a lot of us mixed race kids were growing up on base. You know, I can, I could tell you when my dad, we were stationed in Dayton, Ohio, you know, I didn't realize Dayton, Ohio had that many Thai people there. When I look at pictures where my mom used to host these parties, you know, and even my birthday parties were like, you know, front friends of her, the kids of her friends, you know, come to my birthday parties, like, who are these kids? You know, I have no idea who these kids are, you know, and, you know, of course, you know, I had my handful of friends, so it was, it was kind of an interesting mix of cultures, you know, my, I, I think it was my sixth birthday party, my mom made this big thing of meat crop, you know, you know what meat crop is, right, you know, the deep fried noodle dish with tamarind and everything, yep. and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she she made this huge thing of meat drop and it was like one of my one of my friends was like oh my god this is like the best dish i've ever it was his first introduction to thai food he was like this is the best stuff i've ever had where do you get this stuff it's like i don't know my mom made it i had no idea you know and, and i'm six years old I, I don't know it's like she cooked it so but yeah it was uh yeah it was kind of an inch but you know the uh culture on base you know with my mom you know, I mean, traditionally, you know, you, you get like a lot of officers' wives that, you know, form like a, what they call the officers' wives club. You know, they have like the, the social club on base. And pretty much my mom pretty much stuck with a lot of the Thai women that were there. And we met, you know, a lot of, didn't matter if their husbands were NC, non-commissioned officers or commissioned officers like my dad, you know. You know, and the women kind of stuck together. And I think, what's her name from 
Top Chef, a Padma, I can't, I can't recall her name, but there's a show on Hulu where they showcase Thailand. One of the, and one of the uh, segments was about a bunch of these Thai women who married Air Force personnel, and they, and they all, and their husbands lobbied to go stationed at Nellis Air Force Base outside of Las Vegas, so they can all be together. And these women have been friends for years. I mean, they had like a common connection, you know, with you know, with hometowns. And that's what we found in our communities with uh, the Air Force. You know, my mom would find, you know, it was, this was during the post-Vietnam era, you know, she would find like a number of Thai, you know, Thai women that were, whose husbands were in the Air Force. I think one of her best friends was, her husband was the navigator of my dad's C-130 crew, you know, and they first met, oh, my wife's tail, oh, so was I. And it was like, they hit it off. It's like, I don't know how it happened, but, you know, and we still and we still keep in contact with and my my parents still keep in contact with a lot of the uh, Thai the, the the Thai you know the, the wives that she's met through the Air Force to this day you know that, were from, that are from Thailand so interesting community I wish it would get talked about more I'm glad Padme whatever her name was I can't remember <laughs> talked about it on the air but you know I'm you know, showcase it, but yeah, you know, I think that's a story that needs to get told about, you know, the post-Vietnam era, you know, how a lot of us biracial kids, you know, were just in the military life, because, you know, we, you know, we were in service of our country, too, just as well, m much as any other military dependent, you know, we just had to navigate a few more things about being biracial, <laughs> you know, and having moms that weren't exactly, you know, it, you know, it didn't fit the mold of your typical white suburban housewife, you know, and that's, and that was okay, you know, looking back, that was okay, you know. So, I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but as far as the Air Force thing, but. Yeah, that, that's really cool how, yeah, you had so many layers growing up, it seems like, kind of like you mentioned, right, like, not only were you an Air Force kid, kid but you were also biracial, and your mom was an immigrant, too, like a very, very yes. new immigrant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, and my mom, you know, she didn't mind the Air Force life. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, when dad would go, when dad would go, like, on temporary duty somewhere, you know, whether it was, like, whether it was up in Maine or, you know, you know, North Dakota or wherever, you know, wherever the Strategic Air Command took him, you know, um, you know, my mom pretty much kept that household together, you know, and I, and I do recall when my dad retired in 1984, he, he, he straight out said, if anybody deserves my pension, it's my wife. She put up with a lot more than I did. And granted, you know, he served his country, you know, and I'm, you know, and I, I don't have any qualms about it. I don't question that, but you know, he, he's right. You know, it's like, we don't really give enough credit to the women that keep our household together and my mom kept that household together you know it's like when he was gone you know she was out at the commissary shop and or the bx making sure we were fully clothed and making sure well we all had food to eat you know and you know that was and you know and, she, and they're both still alive today you know and and and, I'm, and it's, it's good to have still have them around so but yeah but it's a story that I think should get told. And one of these days, I, I, I've always said, you know, maybe I'll write a book about this, you know, about this experience. And I get people, you should, you should. It's like, where do I start? You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really should, though. I think that, yeah, I, I, for me, at least, that's not a story that I've heard 
um, often in media or in books. So yeah, right. you really should. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us that grew up in the post-Vietnam era, you know, it's, this is our life. I, a number of my friends growing up on base, you know, were, you know, friend, you know, their mothers were Thai, you know, we, we kind of, kind of had our own little community, you know, and, you know, I had other friends, you know, I had other friends too on base, but, you know, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of the Thai community on base, you know, we would like, you know, we'd, we'd watch each other, others, you know, they would babysit for one another, you know, you know, you know, a certain wife wouldn't go out with her husband for on a date, you know, without the kids, you know, my mom would watch the kids or vice versa, you know, it was a nice little community. I don't know what it's like today in the Air Force, but that was pretty much the 1970s and early 1980s. That's so cool. Yeah, but you mentioned, like, yeah, with you being biracial, like, what was that like? Um, can you speak a little bit more about that? Both maybe oh, your experience growing up, but maybe yeah, even now. being biracial. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, looking back, um, yeah, I, there, there, there were times where I had conflicts with it. You know, I mean, you know, it's like you know, you, you would get. You know, I remember getting asked when I was like five years old, "Why does your mom speak with an accent?" It's like, in course, this this is when we're this is when we're living in Dayton, Ohio, outside of Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and it's like, I don't know, you know, it's like you know, today looking back, it's like, oh, why does your mom learn how to speak Thai? I don't know, but you know, if I had the wherewithal today, but you know, when you're five years old, you know, it's like, you know, and you're trying to build up some confidence and self-esteem. It's like, you know, what kind of question is that, you know? And, and of course, I don't know if there was any intentional harm done by that, but, you know, it was, you know, it was something that I would question constantly. And, you know, there were, there were times where it was like, you know, where it's like, God, you know, why couldn't my, you know, why can't my mom be like all these other moms? You know, why, why is she so different? And I guess the more I started to learn about Thai culture and just some of the traditions, you know, the more, you know, I began to understand what made her tick and why she did the things she did. And this is stuff you don't appreciate, you know, when you're like five to like you're, when, when you're, especially when you're a teenager and, you know, you want to rebel and, getting into things that don't make you fit in the minority <laughs> My, the uh the mold of the model minority so but yeah it's it's it, it was a you know there, there 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 have been struggles you know and uh for a time uh for a time when i left for college you know yeah yeah i didn't want it you know i wanted to kind of defy that stereotype you know it's like you know i was like my mom would ask, you know, why don't you, you know, learn to be a, you know, why don't you study, be a doctor, a lawyer? And it's like, oh, no, I just, and for me, it was like, you know, what was I into? I, I was into playing football in high school. I was into, I, I wrestled for three, lettering varsity wrestling for three years and uh, two years of varsity football. And I went on to go play college football, you know, and something that I wanted to do, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't get a, you know, we had to pay our own way, but you know, it was something I wanted to do, and eventually, you know, I got a degree in political science, but, you know, it was like trying to navigate that whole, you know, just 
trying to navigate that whole thing. You know, I don't want to be like that. You know, I'd look around at other Asian kids on camp, you know, campus. I'm like, I don't want to be like them. You know, I want to be my own person. You know, and you know, and uh, I, I guess today, you know, I maybe looking back, maybe I could have been a little more kinder to people. You know, and you know, there was there was kind of a dark period during that time in college where you know I wanted to not accept who I was, you know, and there was a lot of self-hatred and a lot, a lot of it ended up with, you know, unfortunately, I, I'm going to bring up the story. I swear I wouldn't, but I guess I might as well. Uh, you know, where I spiraled down to in, in a really bad uh, spiral of uh, addiction and alcoholism. And, uh, and by the grace of God, uh, since uh, September 10th of 1993, I've been had a drink of alcohol. I've been just celebrating 27 years of continuous sobriety. And, uh, you know, one of the things about making amends for, you know, some of the damage I did in the past with my addiction is to kind of learn to accept who I was and then to learn to love myself and to really realize that, you know, hey, my parents did the best they could, you know, my mom did the best they could, you know, we, I make jokes about my mom, you know, it's like, oh, you know, the typical Asian mom jokes, you know, everything, but, you know, looking back, you know, she did the best she could, and, uh, and, I, and I think, you know, in this journey of sobriety, it became, you know, more aware of, you know, just kind of understood some of the racial trauma that I would experience, you know, as a kid, because that, some of that trauma led to, you know, some of the addictive behaviors that I was trying to mask and that I didn't want to deal with, yeah, and the stuff that I didn't want to deal with. And now it's like, you know, you might as well deal with life on life's terms and uh, accept the fact that you are who you are and that's okay. And that's, and if I, talk talk to any biracial kid it's like you know you're, you're okay you're fine with who you are there's nothing wrong with you you know and that's the message i would send to them so you don't have to hate yourself you don't have to you know you don't have to uh look look to uh, achieve some sort of social acceptance from you know the, the majority culture you know you're fine with who you are and just go with it, you know, and you're going to realize, hey, we have a, we ties on a beautiful culture, you know, we do, that's, uh, which kind of, which kind of makes me think, this, I, maybe that's why I was always, a, that's why I always preferred to always eat Thai food, when my mom would cook, my mom would cook like a separate Thai meal from, from my dad, I was like, why am I always eating the stuff she's making, and it's like, okay, I don't know, <laughs> Because maybe I liked it better. I don't know. It's like, and today, you know, yeah. But yeah, it's something that I, but you know, growing up biracial, you know, it's, it's been a journey. And, um, and you know, if my story could help anybody out, you know, uh, that's great, you know. So, yeah, thanks for sharing us a part of that journey with, yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. part of that journey with us. And also, like, being so vulnerable and, yeah, sharing all of that yeah um, yeah thank you it's definitely like what you said was definitely so true and so important knowing and understanding that like um for you as a biracial person for me as like someone who's uh ethnically mixed i think it's so important knowing that like yeah like we don't have to like prove to other people that we're enough you know we oh, don't yeah. have to prove that we're like tie enough or prove that we're oh uh, my whatever. god yeah 
I, I used to worry about, am I, you know, I, I remember going to the Thai Temple in Los Angeles back in the 80s, right? You know, we used to go like every Sunday. My mom would make me go to Thai school and learn Thai and count to Thai. I, I, I could still count in Thai, which which is fine. You know, as far as using phrases, I pretty much know how to order food and ask where, know, ask where the bathroom is. It's probably the extent of my <laughs> Thai speaking abilities, although I just did an interview with a uh, voice of America tie on Saturday and I did most of it. Hang on. And I said, and I, and I, I said to the reporter in Thai, I said, which my mom is from Pechabun. And she looked at me and she's like, Oh my God, you, your tie is so excellent. I was like, I was like, really? It's like, are you kidding me? I was like, she goes, how often do you speak? I said, no, that's how to speak with my mom. Uh, usually when I go to a restaurant and they're like, Oh my God, you speak Thai. It's like, <laughs> yeah my mom's from Pechabon so yeah absolutely but yeah but yeah that's the thing when you don't you know you don't look you know people look would look at me and not think that I was Thai you know they would think Pacific Islander or Native American but you know they would not think you know you tell some of your tie, you know, I'm like six foot four I was like six foot four and weighed 250 pounds when I was playing football college football and they would look at you and it's like your tie is like yeah <laughs> it's like and it's like you know what'd you think i was oh, yeah, i thought you were pacific islanders like no no and, and i think there's a perception that you know ties are shorter people i don't know what it is but i, yeah, you know, I think it, that was the yeah, stereotype i broke so <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, th I think it's pretty interesting how i think because thai people I mean, I think generally speaking, Thai people just kind of look different from other Asians. Um, and so especially when you find Thai people who are mixed, uh, right. people just kind of like throw whatever. <laughs> um, they're pretty bad oh, yeah. at uh, guessing what people are. <laughs> uh, you guys look like the munchkins from Willy, you look like the Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka. It's like, really? I don't know. I'm like, yeah. yep, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm a pretty big kid. I, you know, I, I guess I was good enough to play college football. <laughs> So I don't, I don't know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, but you know, navigating, navigating Minnesota was another, was another experience. <laughs> you know, cause when you, you know, cause you, you go from Los Angeles, you know, where, you know, we have a pretty vibrant Thai community up in Thai town, up in Hollywood. And we have, a, and we have the, the Watt Thai, which is in North Hollywood, which was where I used to get dragged to like, constantly as a kid you know whether it was Suncon or Wickertong or some other festival like that and um you know and you know going from there to Minnesota and realizing that oh my god I'm, I'm the only Thai kid on this campus you know and and you know and, and the college today is you know there's more people right now they, they, they just released had a press release back in 2019 where the enrollment of the college is the majority of students are people of color now you know well because you, know, you got a lot of Somali immigrants you got a lot of the Hmong community live in St. Paul so which I learned that real quick when I went to a Thai restaurant and Minneapolis and I asked you know asked asked the guy if he had Tatman you know and I said, don't you, you know, which is the fish cakes? I said, and you serve top mine. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, you know, the fish cakes, you know, and I'm trying to explain it to him. And I, and I asked him, I said, are you Thai? And he says, no, are you? I said, yes, I am. I said, he goes, well, I'm from Laos. I was like, oh, crap. You know, like, and I had no idea. I was like, 
So, you know, I went, you know, I went back, I went back and I told, you know, a couple of my teammates, I was, uh, I was walking around the University of Minnesota neighborhood there. I found this Thai restaurant that I really liked and they didn't have this dish. And my teammates, what'd you make a big deal about? I was like, well, you know, I was kind of in the mood for it. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I eat more than just pot Thai, you know, I didn't want to order that. And I really ordered that to this day. So, <laughs> But yeah, it was, but yeah, it was, that was, yeah, going to college was an interesting experience being tied because we didn't, I think it wasn't until my senior year when they started like an Asian group for Asian kids and I actually got, I actually got a postcard about it. I was like, how the hell did they know I was Asian? You know, it's like, okay. Yeah, I went to a couple meetings, you know, and I don't know what happened. They have a fight. Actually, they have a very active uh, Asian American group on campus today. You know, it's a lot. You know, a lot of Hmong, Lao. Uh, I think there's a couple Thai kids there too. But, but you know, the the uh, I'm glad to see that you know my alma mater has has become a little more diverse. You know, than it was back in the '80s and '90s. So, yeah, that was. It was kind of weird. You know, it's like, oh my god, I have to eat, I got to eat white people food again. Okay, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool. Seeing how, yeah, your alma mater has become more diverse. I think it's also interesting the story about the restaurant that you bring up. I think it's interesting how proportionally I feel like there's less Thai people compared to like Lao and Hmong Americans uh, in the U.S. now, but still mm -hmm. because of like the prevalence of like Thai restaurants in the U.S. It's yeah. interesting because we don't see as many Hmong and as many Lao restaurants compared to yeah. Thai restaurants. And, and the thing is, Lao cuisine is really good. I mm -hmm. mean, if you've ever had it, we we have a couple. There's a couple of Lao places here in Orange County. Uh, actually, my favorite place is Isan Rod Sop. I'm gonna give a plug for this place. It's right off the. It's right off of uh, Euclid and uh, La Palma Avenue. If you ever go, ever go there and you see something, and if you see the writing in Thai, you know you, you know it's a legit. You know that's the place. The, the writing's not in English, <laughs> and uh, but it, it's really good. It's but you know they, they serve you know they serve Thai and they also serve Lao food. And there's a Thai Lao market next door, uh, which you know which I shop at quite regularly and. Uh, but yeah, I just remember, you know, telling somebody about this. I ran into somebody that was, I ran into a Thai American when I was in college and I asked him, I said, you know, he was a restaurant owner. He said, uh, I asked him, I said, well, I said, yeah, I went to this place, you know, this guy, guy said it was Lao. And I said, well, here's the thing. Nobody knows what Lao and, like you said, nobody knows what Lao and Hmong food are, but they know what Thai food is. I said, well, yeah, of course, everybody, and I said, of course, everybody knows what Thai food is. He goes, well, yeah, it's, and he, he brazenly said, because everybody knows it's the best in the world. I was like, well, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Okay. And <laughs> it's like, okay, I didn't know how to react. I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of agree with you there. But, you know, it's like, you know, the Lao and the Mai have, you know, a very vibrant culture, you know, and uh, their food, I've had their food, you know, it's, you know, and, I came to find out many years later, I think this is like two years ago, that my grandma on my mother's side is Lao, you know, you know, which I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so this is why I've, okay, so this is why I've uh, liked, you know, stuff like, you know, some of the stuff, you know, like uh, some Tom Lao at times, you know, when 
okay but you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great culture you know um i don't know um but yeah it's but there's a, now in Minnesota, there's like a more vibrant Taya community. I think there's a website for their Wat Taya, which is out of St. Louis Park. And they, they've been doing like night market festivals during the summer, you know, during the COVID thing where, you know, they, you know, they have the usual dishes, you know, pot Thai, pop or pow, you know, spring rolls. Yeah, it's really awesome. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, I don't know how much the community's grown, but, you know, we get a, there's, people that go to the university there's a lot of people that go to the university of minnesota from thailand for some reason i think their medical school is pretty good so i have no idea <laughs> but <laughs> yeah but like hearing a little bit about your story and what you shared with us so far it seems like yeah like you're pretty engaged with the thai community with thai culture but yes. not just thai culture and thai community but also like the asian american community in general it sounds oh yeah i mean um, so when you messaged me you said that um, you could also speak a little bit about AAPI civil engagement. Can you tell oh, yeah, us a little bit absolutely. about, like, yeah, like how you're involved with Asian American Pacific Islander civil engagement and like why it matters to you? Okay, uh, yeah, um, I'm a political science major. I made, I have a bachelor's of arts degree in political science, and uh, one of the things that I've one of the things that I've real that I've come to notice in later years is you know, there's a lot of people that aren't really aware of what the issues are. You know, I don't know if it's in our community, much in our community, or if it's America overall. It seems to be like America overall, but maybe in our community. I, I have no idea. But uh, the thing is, uh, you know, I think Frank Zappa said it best. If you don't know what your rights are, how can you uh, how can you uh, speak out for them? You know, if you don't know what they are, you know, I don't think we, and I don't think we do a good job of teaching American civics. When my mom was working for a citizen, when she gained her citizenship in 1976, she studied her butt off. Okay. You know, to, you know, she was reading about American history. She was learning about, you know, the, you know, what American civics was and she passed a test. In order to get our citizenship and I, I think for those of us that are immigrant kid you know second you know the children of immigrants you know I, I can speak you know from my own experience uh I would be doing my mom a disservice if I did not become you know if I didn't become aware of what's been what's going on in our community and really you know getting engaged in you know the things that affect us as a community because you know right now you know with this toxic political culture that we have and i, I don't know if you have any trump supporters listening and they're probably gonna like probably burn me an effigy after i say this but you know it doesn't help that you know we have we have a clown in the white house that uses rhetoric to you know stigmatize people that aren't exactly white you know especially with uh, especially with uh, us asian americans with you know with the spread of covid and being stigmatized for you know bringing the coronavirus here it's like well, wait a minute you know and you're calling it the china virus and calling the wuhan flu and i actually had somebody who had forgot that i was asian say something to me about that you know it's like some casual acquaintance you know he's he's talking about yeah the wuhan flu is like i said bro you do know that i'm asian right 
uh, oh wait, I didn't mean I didn't mean you guys. It's the whole usual backtrack, you know. I didn't mean you guys. You Thai people are okay. It's like, yeah, well, we contain the virus, okay? You know, it's like we've only had fifty-eight deaths since January, but you know. You know, just some of you know, just some of the stuff that's been going, and just a lot of the xenophobic rhetoric, and just a lot of the nationalist rhetoric, should have our community up in arms. You know, and what really just floors me in Orange County, and I've spoken with fellow Asians about this, this is the number of Asians that will like, you know, side up with that rhetoric, and it's like, oh yes, you know, he's he's a strong leader. It's like. And part of my language is he's a flipping moron, you know. Um, I don't know, uh, but that's what you know, and that's pretty much why I decided to get involved, you know, it was because hey, you know, this is you know, these are issues that are going to affect us, and you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to allow my you know, I'm not going to allow my dignity and respect to be reduced to some joke, you know. You know, have, a lot of us Asian Americans help build this country, and you know, especially with you know, the stuff you see with Black Lives Matter. What a lot of people don't realize is a lot of a lot of these black early black civil rights leaders like John Lewis and Ralph Abernathy pushed for the 1960 you know pushed for the passage of the 1965 Immigration Act. And if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that act, I don't know if my mom would be in this country. Okay, and so when I have teammates of mine that have, you know, back in Minneapolis, I, I, I used to play, I also used to play semi-pro ball, and a lot of my teammates are African-American, and you know, a lot of them experienced the riots that happened after the George Floyd incident, you know, or murder, and you know, I don't know what it's like to be black in America, I don't, you know, but it doesn't, but you know, for me, it's I doesn't mean I can't show empathy. I can't show compassion for what they're what they're going through, and to acknowledge that yeah, we have there, there's a systemic racism problem here that we need to address. And I think we as Asian in our community, I think we need to address some of the anti-blackness that we've you know that we've enabled. You know, I I'm not saying that our community is perfect. You know, but it, you know, it's bad enough that we're being blamed for COVID. I mean, it's I don't think it helps us to jump on the bandwagon and be an anti-black, you know, or, you know, or saying always matter or whatever garbage comes up, you know, whatever virtual garbage comes out of the red hat's mouth. So, so, <laughs> so uh, for, like I said, if there's any Trump supporters out there who want to burn me into that effigy, uh, go right ahead. So, because <laughs> at this point in my life, I really don't care what they think of me. So, but that, you know, for me, civic engagement is, you know, it's, you know, we need to really, we need to really know, you know, what our rights are, you know, what, what makes this country tick and what our power is, you know, we can change, you know, we're, we're the, fa the AAPIs, we're the fastest growing demographic in this country. And we could be the difference in this election, you know, so that's, that's pretty much all I know, that's, <laughs> and uh and i'd like to see a lot of us more get involved and actually i'm part of a group in orange county where you know we get together every tuesday night via zoom and you know 
kind of talk about, you know, our experience as Asian Americans and just trying to use, utilize our power for good. So, and hopefully uh, something good will come in the next 34 days, 35 days. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Thanks for uh, sharing those, uh, uh, your thoughts, your opinions, and how you got involved with civic engagement. Yeah, I think it's that's what you brought up about anti-blackness within the Asian American community. That is so important to call out and for us to address, oh, um, yeah. both within like our ethnic communities, but also like within our own families too, right? Like, oh, oh my god, families. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like well, yeah, it's funny because you know it's like my mom, my mom who who used to vote Republican until this guy came in, you know. You see, I look at, you know, people like Jesse Jackson. Oh, he, he, oh, he's got a big mouth. He talks too much. I, I said, mom, he's got, some, you know, and so, of course, you know, you're trying to explain to your mom, you know, he, he's got some, he's got some pretty valid points. You know, I mean, look, look at what's going on in this country. And, you know, especially if you look at what's going on in Thailand right now, you know, with some of the student protests there, you know, it's like, I could, you know, there there seems to be, I, I think among the younger people, you know, a greater awareness of, you know, hey, what do we want our country to be in the future, you know, and we, we do have the ability to make changes to the future, you know, for our future, and, uh, and I remember speaking to my mom, and she says, you know, I support these people, I was like, really, I said, holy crap, I was like, what, I said, God, I said, I hope, you know, they're not listening on the other end of the phone. She's like, oh, no, no, no. She, she was like, I'm not worried. I'm 80, you know, 82 years old. I'm not worried about this. And uh, she's like, I, you know, it's, she's, I think it's good that younger people are speaking. And I was like, my God, is this the same woman back in 1984 that used to say um, civil rights leaders speaking out had big mouths? Oh, my God. And maybe there's been a change with her. I have no idea, you know, but it's it, it was kind of nice to hear her change. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool, like, seeing that people can grow and people can learn oh, yeah. um, to be more empathetic. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, and she, and, yeah, she always has been, you know. I, you know, she's always been fairly compassionate and empathetic with other people, and she's always stuck up for, you know, you know, um, you know, the people that were always seemed to be the underdogs, you know. She's always... She's always been that way, but yeah, it's like, it's funny. It's like, you know, but you can see how that's grown. It's like, wow, well, yeah, this isn't the same person I talked to 30 years ago. It's like, oh my God. So, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's good to see her change. And uh, it's, hopefully we can see that change in some of our Asian community. I think what you're seeing right now is a lot of, you're kind of seeing this in Orange County, a lot you see a lot of second and third gener second third generation we went, we don't have the same views as our parents you know when they came whether they came off the plane or the boat or wherever they came off of you know um you know we don't you know we don't you know it's you know the politics of the 1970s aren't the same as the politics of 2020 you know it's and I, you're starting, and I'm starting to see that in Orange County with some of our Asian, but I mean, but I think it could grow, you know.
there's there seems to be some that are skewed a little more conservative. And I think that's mostly the Vietnamese community here in Orange County, you know, that tends to skew a little more conservative. Uh, you know, uh, I I would say the Thai community tends to be a little more progressive. I I don't know. It's like at least ones that live in LA. I, you know. <laughs> So I don't know what they're like across the country, but the ones in LA tend to be a little more progressive. I mean, so we're trying to get the word out on Facebook. You know, if you go to Thai Americans for Biden, you know, plug plug. <laughs> My friend Jerry Rayburn is uh, Coon Jerry is uh, doing a, is putting it together. So mm-hmm. we got a few people. So yeah, that's awesome that there are like Thai American leaders that are not just like advocating for our community, but also like uh, organizing our community together too. That's really cool. Oh yeah. It's, oh, it's, you know, like I said, I'd be doing a disservice to my mom if I, you know, the work that my mom did, if I didn't get engaged and wasn't aware of what was going on. And, you know, it's, our parents worked hard enough just to gain citizenship in this country, you know? Yeah, for sure. We might as well, you know, we need to, and we need to do something to, you know, honor their, you know, to, you know, honor their memory, not only honor their memories, but, you know, to just to validate, you know, why they came out of this country, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, don't, I, we can't take these things for granted, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love how you're really, how you're framing this. Instead of just a, we need to do this for the future generation, or even just for us, you're talking about how this is something, a way to honor those who came before us, too. I really love that. How yes. it's not, it's, a very it's a more communal way of thinking about advocacy yeah i think if you and if you i think you know i know know what the elders you know you speak to them like aunties or uncles you know yeah if you explain to them in term if you explain stuff to them in terms i know i do this with my mom you know i explain it in terms that you know she can understand it's like you know my mom's Buddha, so you know, if you throw in something, you know, throw in some phrase about, you know, how the Buddha doesn't, how Buddha does not condone murder, you know, oh, yeah, and then, okay, uh, and maybe a light will click on, I don't know, but she, you know, she's, yeah, I know she's been a lot more empathetic than she has been in years, so I, I don't know what prompted that, but maybe old age, <laughs> probably old age. Yeah, so we're having a grandkid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so you talked about, um, yeah, like throughout our conversation today, you've talked about your experiences growing up and then versus now. Um, can you just share with me, as someone who is a little bit older than me, um, I think you said you're part of like Gen X. Um, yes. Yeah, so like for me, I'm part of like I'm on the cusp of like Gen Z millennial. And so, yeah, okay. there's a pretty big age gap. And obviously, like, yeah, very different, like experience here and it's yeah so Nirvana in concert so yeah there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah can you just share with me like a little bit about how you've seen the Thai American community just change throughout the years uh yeah um that's an that's an interesting question because uh I think you know those of us that are like second and third generation I think you know we've become I think become more Americanized, I guess, more than anything. I mean, I, you know, I, I tell people, you know, when I tell people I'm tight, you know, that's not the first thing I think about, you know, it's like, 
you know, what are you, you know, it's like, well, what are you into? You know, somebody, you know, somebody will ask me, what are your interests? Well, I don't know. I watch Philadelphia Eagles games during the football season and, uh, you know, scream at the T, you know, scream at the TV on Sundays when they don't win, which pretty much sums up the last three games. So anybody from Philadelphia that's listening, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, how the Thai community has changed, maybe the whole Asian American, I think, you know, a lot of us are, you know, I see, you know, I guess when I was in high school, you know, it was like everybody was like in their own little cliques, right? You know, it's like, and when I was playing high school football, we had a number of Asian kids, you know, we had kids from, whose parents were Korean immigrants, Chinese, Vietnam, a lot of Vietnamese. And, uh, you know, we, but, you know, you'd always see, like, the Asian kids in one side, you know, and, you know, the jocks and everything. And I, I think right now, you know, you're seeing a little more fluidity who kids hang out with. I know with my, with my uh, child, uh, I've seen him hang out with kids from different races and different, uh, um, you know, and, you know, different, you know, socioeconomic statuses or, you know, gender orientations or what, you know, gender identities or, you know, sexual orientations. It's, it's, it's not, a little, I think, the, I think we're seeing the generations, at least with Asian Americans, they're, they're a little more tolerant than Evan. There are some that are still jerks, you know, you're always going to find a jerk everywhere you go, but, you know, I know I found a few, but, um, you know, but, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, the kids today are a little more tolerant. They're a little more of mine. They're a little more aware of, you know, the racism that has gone on in this country. And they're a little more, and they're a little bit more aware of, you know, what we want this country to be like in the future. You know, I, I hear people like screaming, oh, what are these millennials of Gen Zers now? It's like, well, they hell more a lot than you, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, you know, but uh, I, I know it's, I know we're trying to be a little less more stigmatizing of people. We're trying to be a little more accepting. And is racism still around? Yeah, it's still there. It's being filmed more, you know, thank God. I mean, not that racism's great, but, you know, that we're being more aware of it. And it's like, you know, you, know, you probably doesn't pay to, you know be a racist jerk when you can become the YouTube star of the week. Yeah, it's like, uh. but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, you know, the Asian, the, the, a lot of us in the Asian American community are, have been a little more accepting and that's good to see, you know. Uh, my kid was at a Black Lives Matter protest back in June in Irvine and just to see the number of people, not just from the black community, but from various communities, you know, from the seeing a lot of representation from our community, you know, was very heartwarming. And it's like, okay, all right, this is this is cool, you know, yeah, th this is cool, and because you know, it's nice to know that the future is going to be in good hands, you know, despite who's in the White House. now.
<laughs> and whoever the older people are, and hopefully, you know, or world, you know, the minds can't out know about any negative changes. So. Yeah. So, sorry, I turned off my camera for a second because of uh, internet connection problems. But oh, okay, right on. I was like, yes. What happened there? <laughs> Did I bore you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no. Th thanks for sharing that perspective. Yeah, it seems like overall. Um, I think just this generation in general, but especially like you said, Asian Americans, as we've stayed in the US longer, we've been able to like live amongst other people. We no longer necessarily have this like, right. gotta connect, gotta protect just our community, but we're learning to be advocates and allies to other communities too, and oh, stand, yeah. stand with others too. So yeah, yeah that's okay. really awesome that you brought that up. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's been really good to see, uh, you know, my, you know, just the just the stuff that you know, just a couple of protests my kid went to, you know, my child went to was pretty awesome. You know, it was pretty awesome. We drove by there, honked at them, waved at them, said, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good that they're being engaged, and it's good. You know, hopefully, you go out and vote in November. You know, <laughs> yes, so important. <laughs> In California, they mail out the ballots on October 5th. We get our ballots on October 5th. So, hey, fill it out. Get it in. <laughs> get involved. <laughs> yeah, so are there any, as, as we, like, come to a close, are there any other questions you wish that I had asked you that I haven't asked you yet? Oh, I don't know. This has been very comprehensive. I mean, it's been... I, all I got to say is I'm really glad that you came up with this podcast because like I said before, you know, anytime, anytime that I've mentioned to somebody that I'm tied, you know, the first thing is, oh, dude, I like pot tie. It's like, oh, it's like, wow. Okay. So my identity has been reduced to a, a noodle dish. And I don't know if you know about the history of pot tie, but you know, I, I believe it wasn't, who was the prime minister? Was it peace? I, I think it was in the 1930s where, you know, there was like this nationalist campaign to have like a national dish and mm -hmm. the prime minister said, you know, here, you're going to make this dish and some, somebody probably a little more educated than me on a, a cultural history could tell you about it. But it was like, I believe the story was, you know, he was trying to put, push this dish on the Thai people and all of a sudden it became, you know, it's like, okay, it, it became our identity. And it's like, and I don't know why people, come up to, yeah I, I really don't know why people always say, say that's the first thing they think about it's like and you know it's like i, I don't go to people from sweden and say hey you know, oh you're from sweden gee i i really like unassembled furniture from ikea you know, it's <laughs> like, I, it's, you know I, I don't know it's you know, I mean, it's not the first thing i say you know For sure. it's like oh god really it's, but, you know, as you put it in that perspective, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it is a little ridiculous and, and, get, and it gets a little annoying at times. Mm -hmm. So um, I've, I, I think the older I've gotten, uh, you know, I, I've tried to become less annoyed by it. You know, it's like, I, I just kind of shake my head. It's like, 
uh, and I'll just tell people, I'll say, hey, if you want to know anything more about Thai food, you know, let me know. You know, I, I could I could take you some real good places in Los Angeles or Orange County. And, but yeah, it's I, I'm glad you had this. And I hope hopefully you get more people from the Thai American community. Hopefully you get Brenda Song, like you said before, that'd be great. Actually, the guy I hope you get is Johnny Damon. I don't know if you know who he is, but uh, he was the uh, he's a former Major League Baseball All-Star. He's also half Thai. Oh, cool. What's really funny is a friend of mine from high school who was the 1994 American League Rookie of the Year by the name of Bob Hamlin. I went to high school with him. Oh. Um, he was teammates with Johnny Damon with the Kansas City Royals his rookie year. And, and then Damon came up with his rookies. And, uh, and uh, I had no idea that Damon was half Thai until my mom saw a story on him. She goes, hey, you, she goes, you know that long-haired guy from the Red Sox? I said, Yeah. Well, you know he's half Thai, right? And it's like, I said, I know who he is. That's Johnny Damon. He's half Thai. And, you know, I said, and so, you know, I, I wanted to call my friend Bob afterward and say, hey, Bob, why don't you tell me he was half Thai? we got to hit it off. You know, it's like, God. But that's that's okay. That's, uh, but, yeah, you know, you know, we have a lot, you know. I, I, like, I like to see more representation, you know, mm-hmm. in our community. And I'm glad you have this podcast to give us a voice and a platform. You know, I'm really really stoked by that so yeah well thank you so much matt for coming on and yeah it was so nice getting that message from you on instagram out of the blue um hearing yeah yeah, so thank you for listening and supporting the podcast as well um no yeah if any of my friends are listening uh i don't know when this is going to be on but hey you know if you you need a good laugh you know hopefully i don't know when this is going to be on but yeah it's me so (laughs) Yeah, so. but thanks again for being on the show. Um, yeah, yeah no problem. Later. No problem. Hey, thank you very much, and best of luck on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of More Than a Noodle, a Thai Diaspora podcast. That was, yeah, my conversation with Matt Mermack about civic engagement and what it was like growing up as a Thai American a few decades ago and what it's like for him now as a Thai American and community organizer. As you can see with our conversation, politics are pretty important, especially as minorities here in the US, our voice matters and one of the ways we can get our voice out there is through voting. So if you have a chance and are able to, I encourage you to go out and vote, whether it be for the presidential election or for local officials as well. And again, sorry for those who might not be American. Uh, The past few episodes have been a little bit more America-centric, especially with the presidential elections coming out, which are pretty important in the U.S.'s history right now. Thank you again for sticking around with us, and if you guys have any tips, or if you want to see certain people on the show, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, feel free to DM us on Instagram at more than a noodle, and I'd love to set something up with you. Again, thank you for Matt Mermack for being on the show, to Ben Sound for the music, and also Chloe Chang for our logo. Have a good day, and see you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye.